0: hey time for mariners pod thanks for being here once again as we have a very fun weekend to cover as the mariners sweep aside the rangers in three games looking for the series sweep today day baseball in the wraparound series on this holiday but uh, we're going to talk about the three games the Mariners played against the Rangers. The M's now have won five in a row. They've won 10 of their past 13 and playing some pretty great baseball. We're going to talk about that. Uh, coming up to really great conversation. I had a chance along with Aaron Goldsmith to catch up with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Uh, it's a really fun conversation. Uh, he He's great. He knows his stuff, knows the Mariners' system. So we talk about... Uh, deadline deals and how the Mariners system looks. Great stuff on Kyle Lewis. Just really, really great conversation. So that comes up in just a few minutes with Jim Callis. Let's turn back to Friday, the first game of the series. The Mariners, of course, had not played three in a row with the A's not coming to town. So what turned into, I guess, kind of like an all-star break more than anything is the Mariners didn't play for three. Texas comes to town and mariners got what they've been getting that was solid starting pitching once again that is a theme of what's going on recently solid starting pitching and uh some nice offense as well seven white had a very nice night and jp crawford chips in going deep next
1: pitch one on belted deep to right field gallo going back going back looking up goodbye baseball jp crawford With a three-run home run here in the bottom of the eighth inning, his second home run of the season. And it puts the Mariners on top by a score of 6-1. to Here in the bottom of the eighth, what a shot by Crawford. So
0: all in all, you say Kikuchi goes six, allows just one run, punching out seven. Kendall Graveman, very interesting outing. He goes one inning out of the bullpen, his first bullpen outing since his rookie year. He touched 99 on the gun this is certainly a situation to watch. Mariners, of course, have the option on Graveman next year, and who knows what the future may hold, but, boy, he looked awfully good out of the pen. He would pitch again out of the pen in the, the Sunday game as well and, and pitched well again, so this is a situation the Bears watching. Mariners win the first game of the series 6-3. to three. Game 2, Mariners sending Justice Sheffield to the mound, and he's been... Outstanding. He gets nailed with a line drive. Didn't slow him down though. He pitched great. Seven innings, two runs allowed, one walk, six strikeouts. You take that each and every time. The defense was really the theme of the weekend. Starting pitching was very good, but the defense outstanding. And double plays do not get much better than this. Two
1: lead at first. There he goes. Pitch on the way. Swinging a ground ball, third base line. Backhanded by Seeger. One throw and a hop to first, and it's in time for the out there. A throw to third by White, and out at third base is two. Holy smokes, what a double play! They get Heineman at first on a great play by Kyle Seeger. Backhand the ball, behind the bag at third. Deep behind the bag, a long throw to first on a hop in time to Evan White. White fires back to Kyle Seeger at third to get Chu there. So the double play, two outs for the Rangers and an outstanding defensive effort by Kyle Seeger and Evan White playing a little catch. So the M's take
0: game two of the series, five to three. They're looking for a series win day baseball on Sunday. And more of the same, starting pitching was there once again, as Justin Dunn, a shaky start, got things together, certainly, and kind of cruised again to give the Mariners six strong against Texas. Uh, the Mariners offensively, it was Kyle Lewis again providing some thunder.
1: Miles really works quickly. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Swung on, fly ball, deep center field. Tavares going back to the warning track near the wall. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Lewis with his ninth home run of the season. Straight away center field. And the Mariners lead the Rangers by a score of 3-1. to one. What a freshman year in the big leagues for Kyle Lewis. Holy smokes. That was something. So
0: Dunn ends up going six, allows two earned runs. But really, the difference maker in this one, Kyle Seager, walloped a home run, had two hits in the ball game, and a little bit of Mariner's history along the way.
1: There's the pitch The Seager. Swung on, well hit ball. Deep into the gap in right center field. Going and going, and goodbye baseball. There's number 1,255th hit. In the career of Kyle Seager, matching Jay Buhner, fourth all-time in the history of the ball club, and he does it with a home run. Holy smokes. Kyle Seager, you are unbelievable. Fourth all-time in the history of the ball club in base hits. Pitch on the way, swung on, line shot, right field, skipping on a hop, knocking it down deep in right. Field is the second baseman. Solak picks it up, throws the first. And safe at first base is Kyle Seager with a base hit. And he has just gone by Jay Buhner for fourth all time on the Mariners hit list. He tied Jay with the home run with career base hit number 1,255. And there is career base hit number 1,256. Kyle gets that baseball as a souvenir,
0: yeah, that's some pretty great company. The very underrated Kyle Seager. What a career he's had as a Seattle Mariner. Uh, Media had a chance to catch up with Kyle Seager after the ball game. Here's what he had to say.
2: What, what does it mean to you? Those are you got big names around you, and you played with a lot of those guys, and and, and know what the history is there. What does that mean?
3: Yeah, it's it's very humbling. It's um, I'm I'm extremely proud. I'm extremely you know, honored to be uh, in that company. That's that's an extremely elite company, and. You know, I'm very proud to be a part of that.
4: The last couple of weeks of baseball that this team has been playing, I mean, I think you've won ten of your last fourteen or eleven last fifteen. I mean, what what have you seen from these young kids as you go? On? And you've had a lot of turnover, guys, as well.
3: It's been a lot of turnover. That's that's kind of I think what was expected this year, I guess. Um, I think we've been throwing the ball really well. I think our starters have been have been doing a really good job. Um, you know, especially them. I think they've been going out there and just absolutely doing great. You know, the bullpen's been good. I think uh, the defense has been pretty good. You saw some. We saw some really nice plays tonight. Um, you know, the one really had to throw the guy out the play, Those those are big plays, and you know, I think that's what um, you know we've really been doing well lately. Well, Scott mentioned that.
2: To to do what you do, you got to stay in the lineup. You got to play. You know, you, you said you got nicked a couple of times with the hit by pitches. How, how how big is that to you? Just just to, just to, just to close it every day and keep going.
3: Hey, that's our that's our job. You know, that's that's kind of uh, been my mentality this whole time. It's my job to play, and you know, it's my job to, you know, on most days, not today, I guess, but most days is play third base, and you know, you go out there and you know, you do your job.
4: Kyle, you called uh, Dylan Moore a stud. How difficult is that slide that he made at home to, to kind of avoid it and then slap your hand on the base and, and
3: you know? I, I I've been unbelievably impressed with him. Um, he's he's a strong guy. He he's got some pop. He plays really good defensively, um, and he can run. So I mean, in, in my eyes, he is he's a stud. I think he's really really good. Uh, that that slide is is difficult. So I mean, I think I'd be icing a few more things if I had to do it. So he uh he is. He's he's athletic, he moves well. He he he's just a baseball player. He's really, really good. You haven't DH'd a lot. Of,
2: how hard is that to, to you know if you had to do that every day, not that you are, but like, you know what Edgar did every day to, to be ready to hit in that position without playing on the field.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we've always we've you know we've kind of always had a DH I guess. So I, I've never really done it too too much. Um it's not bad, you know. I I like playing. Obviously, I like playing. You know, on the field and everything. You stay in the game a little bit there. But, you know, I always remembered, you know, watching Nelson and and he was he was constantly working in between. And I think you know that's something that I tried to do a little bit more today. That you know he was he was always you know he was always ready. He was always working. Even if, you know, he wasn't playing defensively. You know, even if he wasn't hitting, he was still in there. You know, working and and staying prepared. And I think that's the key because I think it's you know it's it can be difficult to just kind of you know, just sit there and then you just, you hit basically. So, you know, it's not, um it's not the easiest thing, but, you know, between him and, you know, I saw, you know, Vogue do it last year as an all-star. I mean, there, there's there been some pretty good, pretty good DHs. And uh, there's also, you know, Mr. Egger he did it pretty good, but I never got to see him or play with him.
4: Kyle, uh, you got to see Gallo hit that homer. You saw Vogelbach do it. I think you've seen Mazzara do it, but like to put a ball in the third deck of T-Mobile and to, like that i mean how difficult
3: is that that's it's incredible there, there's really no way around it i mean if you're gonna give them up you might as well go like that you know I, I imagine i'm not a pitcher i haven't you know given up a homer in years so they uh if you're gonna give them up might as well i feel like a wall scraper would bother me more if he's gonna hit that far i mean he, there's not too many people that can do that so the Vogie's ball was in, incredible but goody hit a ball i think we we're in uh, cincinnati that that was that was probably the best ball I'd ever seen, and the one today is pretty close. I don't. Know, I'd have to. I'd have to rewatch him, but that it was a pretty
5: special one.
0: And Scott's service after the game yesterday, thrilled with his defense.
5: Another pitching and, and defense game uh, for us today. Uh, really, I thought Justin Dunn um, did a nice job. I thought he was really uh, a little shaky. wasn't real sharp the first couple innings. Uh, got the double play ball to end the third, and then I thought he got on a nice roll the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth inning then threw a lot more strikes. That, that was the issue early on. Uh, just, you know, had some O2 counts and couldn't pe- put people away. And those guys, I think there was three or four of those that turned into walks. So uh, give him a ton of credit for, for writing the ship and, and getting it going in the right direction um, and having a real quality outing for us. He's learning, you know, and today was one of those days wasn't on his a game, so to speak, coming out of the bullpen uh, it took him a little while to get going, but it, it was really important to, to get him through six and uh, you know, our bullpen again, nice job today, but, uh, defensively play of the game is, you know, the seventh inning, uh, you know, Kalu cutting that ball off JP great relay throw to the plate. Um, and it's fun to see those guys in the dugout. They were about as excited that they executed that play as they would have anytime you've seen them, those guys hit a home run. It really meant a lot to them and great job by Odom um, hanging on on that ball at the plate too. You got to finish those plays. So, uh, you know, nice win, not a ton of offense, certainly Siegs a couple hits there. Uh, puts him in very prestigious uh, grouping of guys and, um, you know, great for him. Um, he's swinging the bat well, has all year um, and you know, adds to a, a pretty significant hit total here as a Mariner. So with that, I'll take the questions.
4: Scott, yes, I think it was yesterday or even today, you said that you knew you'd be better defensively and on the bases this season. I mean, the play Dylan Moore made the slide at home as well, the score on that. It, It just seems pretty noticeable, the athleticism you guys have kind of put out there compared to a year ago or even two years ago.
5: Oh, we are a totally different team, no doubt about it. We run the bases very aggressively. Uh, Demo made a great, you know, uh, slider, avoiding the tag there at the plate. Not many players can do that full stride. He's some kind of athletic player, um, and we've got a number of guys that can do that. It's fun. It's fun to watch it every day. You can score runs in a number of ways. You can prevent runs in a number of ways. It's just not you know, hit the ball over the fence and help you strike everybody out. So uh, everybody's contributing. Um, we've taken our defense very, very seriously, and it's, it's, see it, it's really nice to see it paying off, and the guy's taking as much pride in it as they have. Justin
2: gives up the, the bomb to Gallo. That was
5: a, you know, to, to kind of shake that off and
2: keep going. Uh, part of his growth as well.
5: Yeah, I think Gallo got all that one, Greg. <laughs> you don't see many go up in that third deck. Uh, you know, Joey Gallo's got that kind of power. Uh, as much power as anybody in the league, but um, to to Dunner's credit, he did, you know, you got to put it behind you. You can't do anything about that pitch. That one's over. Um, After that, I thought he really, you know, he locked in. Um, I say oftentimes with our young pitchers, but again, another growth outing, You, you see it Uh, you know you're you're trying to make a decision do you run them out there for the sixth inning is you call it good enough at five innings and giving these guys a chance to kind of work through some things at that middle part of the game I think is really it's helping us this year and it's going to really help them in the future
6: Scott this is this is four starts as or four of his last five starts Justin's gone six and allowed two earned runs or less what's I guess from the from the guy that we start, we saw those first couple of outings back in late late July and early August. What's the biggest change you've seen for him over these last five starts, really?
5: Uh, I think his, his preparations gotten a lot better. Uh, I think an understanding of who he is um, as a pitcher, and. He's starting to relax. He's, he's just trying to be who he is instead of trying to be somebody maybe that he's not as he's trying to fit in uh, at the major league level. So, uh, again, all these guys, the personalities, where they're at and and their career and everything else, they're all a little bit different. You can't just, you know, plug them in play and say, okay, this is what's going to happen because he's got good stuff, and everybody figures it out on a little bit different timetable. But uh, Dunner's got a lot of confidence. Uh, I credit our pitching coaches spending the time with him all the meetings, all the sidebar conversations, um, talking him through certain things and situations and his teammates as well. Um, this is a close uh, knit group. A lot of these guys have played together in the past. Um, they pull for each other. Uh, they get on each other. Um, and I think, you know, seeing Dunner react to that is, is very, very positive.
2: You mentioned Seeger joining the, uh, the, moving into
5: fourth on the hit list. What, what can the young guys on your team kind of learn from him? You learn a lot. I think the biggest thing is you got to play. You got to show up. You got to be available uh, for the manager, the team to put you in the lineup every day. Uh, We saw. I think Kyle got hit by two pitches last night. One off the toe. Uh, I went to him after the game last night and said, "Hey, why don't you just take a day?" He said, "No. We'll text in the morning if I feel okay. I want my DH days." That's how you get to that level. You got to play through some things. And when you're going good, when you're going bad. You just keep grinding through it, and, and it's it's nice to be able to put him in the lineup every day. That's what it says to our young players: the value of that. He's having a pretty good season too. I mean, he's uh... he's having a great year. He really is. Um, we've seen Kyle have some phenomenal years. Maybe hit a ton of homers, play great defense. He's done a little bit of everything this year, um, and way more consistent at the plate. You don't see the you know the big swing, you know the up down, you know where he gets hot for ten days and then it cools off a lot of that is attributed to his approach and, and his ability to use the whole field more consistently. Um, and it's a credit to him making adjustments throughout your career. That's what the game's about. You, know, you just can't think you got it figured out all of a sudden you're, you're 28, 29 years old. He's continued to make adjustments and it's great when guys get the results and when they're willing to do that.
0: Yeah. So the Mariners get the four to three win and now looking for the very difficult to grab four game sweep as they'll take on the Rangers today. 110 first pitch as marco gonzalez will take the ball first time he's taken the mound since going the distance against the angels his last time out he was brilliant colby allard will go for texas in game four of the series and here's the thing i mean it's it feels bizarre to talk about but it's where we're at i mean we get to the point where you're three games out of a playoff spot in September, and that's where we are, and that's something to talk about. That's the situation. The Mariners are, in fact, three games out of a playoff spot, and it's fascinating to look at the Houston Astros swept aside in a four-game series against the Angels. They lost yesterday. They lost both ends of a doubleheader the day before. Uh They've lost four in a row, struggling. McCullers going on the IL. Mariners have won five in a row, so they've pulled within three. This is going to be a critical week because when you look at the Mariners' schedule, if you want to map this out, the end of the schedule is extremely difficult. Now, Mariners have taken advantage of playing a lot of Texas here the last 10 games or so, which is fine. It's a team on the schedule, and the Mariners are taking care of business. But the reality is the season ends with the Padres for three, the Astros for three, which at the end of the day may end up being an advantage because game's in your hand at that point if it's close. But then the season ends with the A's. uh, Game on the 25th, a doubleheader on the 26th, and the final game on the 27th. So four games against the Oakland A's to end things. So that's why this week is critical. It's also critical because... The Astros are in a tough spot. Now, two games still above 500, but loses a four in a row without a lot of critical pieces, and the schedule this week is really, really difficult. Now, they've lost four in a row, right? Now they go to Oakland. They play the A's today, a doubleheader against the A's tomorrow, and then the A's on Wednesday and Thursday. This is a five-game series against Oakland, so... Mariners fans, if this is going to happen, be an A's fan the next five days because uh, Mariners could really use the A's to take it to the Houston Astros here in the next four days. And then, off day for Houston, then the Dodgers for two games in L.A. Now, it gets easier after that because they have the Rangers, they have the Diamondbacks. Then the Mariners and Astros will hook up, and then the Rangers again for the Astros. So, the schedule flips in terms of difficulty for the Mariners at the end of the season and the Astros at the end of the season. So if you want to dream, and if you want to dream that the Mariners are going to catch the Astros and go to the postseason, the next four days are critical Well, the Astros are playing the A's in five games. So cheer hard for the A's is my recommendation the next few days. I mean, who knows if something crazy happened in that series, you know, uh, the A's take 4 of 5 and the Mariners have a good few days i mean we'll see we'll see what happens but man when when you get within 3 games it's it's something to talk about i mean it's it's there it's it's possible when you're in that range and we'll see what happens tomorrow i mean you feel good with marco or feel good today with marco on the hill and then the A's and Astros here in the finale or the A's and Astros in game 1 of their series. And if you're curious what it looks like, game one for Astros A's, Montas against Javier, and then the doubleheader coming up on Tuesday. Bassett against Undecided for Houston. Keep in mind they've had plenty of injury issues along the way. Uh, A's are undecided in game two. Zach Granke scheduled a pitch there, so uh, Granky's been the best pitcher for the Astros this year clearly an advantage there uh, the game following undecided for the Astros Luzardo will go for the Oakland A's and then on Thursday A's and Astros the finale Minaya will go for the Oakland A's but a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the Astros rotation so something definitely to watch as the Mariners and Rangers will wrap up their series today day baseball right now let's catch up with Jim Callis
6: well, this is a real treat. It's uh, an honor to be talking with Jim Callis, who is a senior writer for MLB Pipeline, kind enough to join us from his home in Chicago. Jim, thanks for hopping on the line and, and talking some farm systems and Mariners prospects with us. We really appreciate it.
7: I oh, know. Glad to glad to do so. I, I, as everybody who knows me knows, I, I love to talk prospects, so happy to do it.
6: Well, Fortunately, uh, the Mariners in recent years have done a great job in stockpiling a lot of those prospects. and. Let's jump right into the latest one to join the fold, the only top 100 prospect dealt at the trade deadline, Jim. That's Taylor Trammell, who joins already a pretty rich outfield prospect list for the Mariners. Pipeline has put him now as the Mariners' sixth-ranked prospect. He's moved around a couple of times before. Uh, what can you tell us about the the latest toy for Jerry DePoto and Taylor Trammell?
7: Yeah, he's he's really interesting. I mean, he's got you know, as you mentioned, they do have a lot of outfield prospects, but he's got tremendous all-around tools. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was a star running back in high school, could have played college football, much more advanced than your typical two-sport guy. I mean, you know, I think if it all comes together for Taylor, I mean, you're looking at a guy who who maybe hits two eighty with twenty homers a year and similar steals and and plays center field. You know, there's a little bit. You know, I'd say his stock is maybe down slightly from where it was a year or two ago. You know, he was MVP of the Futures Game in 2018. You know, his his best minor league season to date remains 2017. I mean, he hasn't had bad years, but he hasn't had you know that year you know where you look up and he's you know just torn up a minor league level. So he's he's got good tools. He's had, you know, decent to solid performances. I still think the best is yet to come with him. You know, there is some question. He's played a lot of left field even though he runs well. He's not necessarily a slam dunk center fielder. But very interesting, you know, prospect in terms of tools. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to interact with him much yet over Zoom or, or whatever, but his his makeup is off the charts. Like I, I spent 45 minutes one, one day in spring training a couple of years ago just talking to him. Uh, I I fully expect that when his playing career is over, if he wants to, you'll see Taylor Trammell on MLB Network, or you know, if he, if he's a lifelong Mariner, maybe 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 he'll be doing Mariners broadcast with you. But uh, he's 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 great guy to talk to. One of my favorite one of my favorite people in the whole you know I guess prospect king, kingdom, if you will.
0: So, adding him to the mix, and there was some shuffling at the top, obviously, with San Diego losing a number of prospects. Where do the Mariners fit in now towards the top of the prospect rankings?
7: Yeah, we we have them at number four. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I remember, I mean, and it was only, I mean, I think, well, maybe they made the trade. I can't remember when the trade went down. But, like, you know, I want to say it was like not even two. I think two years ago at this time, I don't think we had a top 100 prospect on our list, who was a Mariner. Because so I want to say that was the offseason. They traded and got Justice Sheffield and, and then Jared Kelnick and, and Justin Dunn. But we've got them as the, the fourth-ranked farm system in, in all of baseball. And, and look, I mean, obviously the rankings are fluid and it, it's easier to move up the list when you embrace rebuilding. But they've done a, a really, really nice job of rebuilding, uh, You know, acquiring players You know, via trade, via the draft, via internationally. Um, it, it's a really exciting group.
6: Jim Callis is our guest. He's a senior writer for MLB Pipeline. Jim, you can't talk about the Mariners' farm system right now without talking about the top two guys on the list. Both are outfielders, of course, Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, We've had a chance to interact with both of them. We've seen them uh, play in really just a limited period of time. In spring training uh, what is it that the industry is saying about not only where they are right now but of course uh, where the the ceiling hopefully is one day for both those two young outfielders
7: yeah i mean the, the ceiling is through the roof on both those guys and i mean i think if you talk to people in baseball probably people within the organization uh as well as scouts outside the organization i know for us too we you can have some big debates who's better i mean they're they're neck and neck you can make a case for either one of them um, you know, they both advanced, you know, very fast for considering how young they are. You know, if I, I go back and forth on, on who I like better. I think Jared's probably a little bit better pure hitter. I think, you know, Julio's got a higher power ceiling. I think, you know, Jared Jared's probably more of a, you know, well, Jared has a chance to play center field. Julio's probably more of a corner guy. They both can throw pretty well. I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Julio is a guy who got the high A at, at age 18 last year, which is unheard of, and and Jared in his first full season of pro ball, you know, played well in Double A at, at age 20. And I mean, you know, you got tools, you have performance. They're they're way advanced for their ages. You know, you know, you you talk to both of them. They're both, you know, you, I was just you know, bestowing compliments on Taylor Trammell. I like talking to both of these guys as well. I've, I've seen them in the fall league. And I always tell this story about Kelnick. So, Kelnick was in the fall league very, very briefly last year. I think he only played three games because he had a wisdom tooth removed, and then they kind of held him out for a while. He was kind of ticked off I remember he said, you know, it's my mouth. I don't play baseball with my mouth. I, You know, he, he, he had to wait a while. And then I think he had, I want to say it was a back strain, something minor, and they just decided to shut him down. But so, anyway, I, I was there for the three games he played, and the first game, you know, the first day he played in the Fall League, I wanted to do a story on him. And I was, we were just talking, and I said, you know, what do you think? I always like to ask players, you know, what do you think you need to work on to get ready for the big league? You know, you're not too far away. What do you think you need? And, and I've told the story many times. He, and he, was, he wasn't cocky in any way. But he just matter of fact really said, I think I'm ready to play now, from a physical standpoint. Like my my adjustment is going to be, you know, yes, I'm going to struggle at times and how to deal with the adversity and make adjustments, you know, when I'm not hitting well. But he's like, I, I think I'm ready to play now. Like as I was telling him, he's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good to go now. Um, and, and like I said, the, like I, I don't even know I'm doing him justice. There was no cockiness. He was just answering the question I asked him, <laughs> and he was ready. And like we've all seen. I, I wish we had more video and, and you know, the, the Mariners, you know, it seems like we've had a decent amount of Jerry Kelnick highlights at alternate camp, hmm. but it, I, I feel like we've, we've seen him hit well like 10 or 15 home runs in alternate camp, uh, uh, just on Twitter clips. Um, his time is not too far away. And Julio Rodriguez isn't too far behind him. I mean, that's, that's about as good, a a one, two prospect punch, you know, as there is in baseball. I mean, I guess the Tigers with their their two former number one overall picks and, and Spencer Torkelson and Casey Mize would probably rank ahead of them. But that's, that, that's a pretty dynamic duo there for the Mariners.
0: Given Kelnick and Julio at the top, uh, who else should Mariner fans, maybe a guy or two that Mariner fans should be really excited about?
7: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, we talk about all their hitters, but, I mean, you know, I think their pitchers are almost underrated. They got in this year's draft. They got Emerson Hancock with the sixth overall pick, and he came into the year as a guy you know who's projected to possibly go number one overall. Um, I think they were delighted to to look up and see him there. Um, yeah, he didn't have I mean, he was good. He wasn't unbelievable during the brief college season. But I also talked to Scouts who thought he was kinda of fine tuning some stuff to get ready for the SEC season at Georgia and really had it, you know, kinda of cut it loose. Like he was more working on secondary pitches and trying to just, you know, dominate guys early on when they were playing lesser teams. But, you know, I I, I think he's a guy and, and you know, Logan Gilbert, you know, it's funny, I mean Logan Gilbert's highly ranked. I mean we have him, you know, you know, jacked up our our top one hundred pretty good. And and I still think he's underrated in a bit just because you know, he he was another guy who would not have gotten to the Mariners at, at 14 in, t- in the 2018 draft, except you know he was he was probably the best pitcher in the Cape Cod League this summer before, and the guys thought he was going to go at the top of the draft. And he got mono as a junior. Um, his stuff wasn't as sharp as it was; his velocity was down, and so he slid a little bit. And then the Mariners held him out. He, he didn't play it all that summer. Um, you know, they they let him kind of recover. And then last year, you know, he he jumped up to Double A. The stuff came all the way back. It's stuff. It's polish. Um, so I, I like, even though those guys are highly ranked, I think they're a little under regarded, and we don't quite have this guy on our top 100 prospect list yet. But Noelve Marte, who's who's even younger, he's 18. You know, they signed him in, in July of 2018 uh, out on in the international market, and you know he's a shortstop who can hit. He can play defense. He, he might be more of a third baseman when all is said and done. But you know he's a guy who I think is going to start rising up the top 100 list pretty soon. And I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have a season this year. But I think had he had he come and made his USA US debut this year, he's a guy who might have been on the top 100 prospect by, list by now.
6: Now, finally, Jim, since you mentioned no minor league season this season, how is it that guys in your line of work? are doing your job <laughs> I mean, how are you how are you ranking prospects when all you're seeing are clips on social media of guys doing great things how are you doing this
7: well we've kind of we've kind of simplified it now the, the draft itself was kind of business as usual and you know when the when the shutdown happened I mean we saw the draft was two and a half months away so it was kind of business as usual for us because we at, at least at our place we shift a lot of our focus to the draft I mean there was no minor leagues going on and so, like, you know, and while it wasn't a full season, guys did play for the most part at times this year. He got scouted last summer, so we were able to do that. In terms of updating stuff during the season, you know, we do, you know, as guys, you know, graduate from prospect status, they exceed rookie limits like Kyle Lewis did. We're like, we'll take the Kyle Lewises of the world off of our Mariners list and put another Mariner on. But other than that, we we kind of made the decision. We weren't, you know, maybe you can't, wait more. You can't really change the top 100 order based on, oh, you know, hey, here's a random clip we saw at alternative camp, and, oh, this team, we didn't see anything. So for our top 100 list, all we did was we added drafted guys. We left everybody in the same order, and we added guys from this year's draft. And we've you know, because guys graduate, I think we've added a couple more now. Maybe it's 14 or 15 guys from this year's draft. And, and honestly, for the team list, it was kind of the same thing. Like, you know, we took our Mariners list, and, you know, we put Emerson Hancock at, at number three, and we added a couple more draft picks. But we didn't shuffle guys around. We we just didn't feel like like that made much sense because there's no, you know, normally you're obviously guys are getting better, guys are getting worse, guys are getting hurt, guys are changing levels. None of none of that's happened. You know, guys. You know, so we've kind of left the status quo for now. I, you know, the larger question I don't even know the answer to this is, you know, like I don't know what we do during the off season if if there isn't you know like like some kind of Arizona fall league where you see guys. I mean, I know there's been talk that I guess we'll have more like an instruction league program at the alternative camps or spring training sites. But like, again, that's just kind of, you know, guys working out and doing some inner squads. It's not real competition to measure guys. So I don't, I don't know if if we don't have some sort of fall league or, 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 or similar action, you know, the list might stay pretty static, you know, going into next year, you know, where we usually revamp them. You know, we usually update them, around, you know, right after the trade deadline, you know, which was a month earlier in a normal year. And then we revamp them again going into the season. And this year, unfortunately, it might be a lot of status quo just because there's there's not new information on guys.
6: Hey, finally, Jim, I'm curious. You mentioned Kyle Lewis. What is it that you make of Kyle Lewis when you watch him play now in the majors? This is the guy that the Mariners thought that they were drafting the Golden Spikes Award winner taken in the first round. And, of course, his minor league career got so derailed so early on because of the knee injury. And he never really posted an overly impressive minor league campaign, at least on the surface level numbers. But now at the highest level of competition, he is really showing who he is. And has, of course, is in a two-horse race to win the Rookie of the Year. What do you make of when you see Kyle Lewis?
7: Yeah, I think... I mean, one, I'm happy for him because I mean, he—I think it was like 30 games into his debut, and he was having a really nice pro debut after the Mariners drafted him 11th overall. That he tore up his knee, and I'm—I'm happy that he's having the success that that you know he kind of deserves. And two, I mean, I'm assuming, i am assuming—I—I just think he's—he's he's finally healthy again. It is a big part of it. I mean, I'll admit, I—you know—I've been—I've been bullish and less bullish on Kyle I—I I actually would have taken him number one overall. I said that at the time in 2016. I, I thought he was the best player in the draft. I, I would have taken him 1-1. One, one. And so I had to get him at 11. I mean, what an absolute steal. And, and, you know, then, I mean, he came back and played a little bit in 2017. You know, he missed some more time in 2018. And last year, I'll admit, I mean, I had a conversation when he got called up. I mean, I was happy for him, but we were talking. I was talking to Jonathan Mayo, one of my colleagues at MLB Pipeline. We kind of was like, you know, I, was like, I, I actually said, I like, I like Kyle Lewis. I'm happy he got called up. But, you know, a guy hit 260 with 11 home runs in double-A. Why are they calling him up? Like, you know, it doesn't seem like that's that great a year. And I, I think Arkansas is a tough place to hit. But like you said, I mean, it wasn't that spectacular a year at all. I, I, I kind of was surprised. And and even last year when he hit the six home runs in 18 games, he struck out 29 times. Um, and so it's like, you know, is that sustainable? And he's still striking out a lot, you know, especially at the start of this season. But he continues to produce. He He's made some adjustments in terms of, of tightening up the strike zone. Uh, I mean, he's walked – I mean, he walked three times in 18 games last year. He's walked 21 times in 36 games this year. So I, I think that's really encouraging. But I I honestly think – I think it's just that the knee is fully healthy and he trusts it. And he's the player that a lot of people thought he was, again, you know, for the first time since since 2016. So it's – like I said, I mean, I, I think it's just I, – I I cannot be – more happy for him because you just hate seeing guys get hurt and, and not really being able to show what they can do. And I think really for three years or, or two and a half years, that's, that's what he was dealing with. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is the type of guy we thought he was going to be. Um, and it, you know, just took maybe a little bit longer because he was hurt and, but it's, yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been fun to watch.
6: Jim we are so appreciative of your time you're incredibly dialed into all things Mariners prospects and everybody else we know all but we thank you for spending time on the phone with us today and we really hope we can uh, catch up with you again at some point in the future. this has been a blast.
7: Oh yeah any time that, that would be great. I mean I think we'll have uh, like I said the system's stronger than it's been in a while so we're going to have Mariners prospects to talk about for a while so any any time would be great.